This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 11. We're finishing up Exodus chapter 11 this uh, this morning. And we're really coming to a place where we need to always keep this in the back of our mind. It's very difficult sometimes to do this, considering the news of the day and the situations of the hour and the things that happen all around us. But oftentimes we look around and we say, what is going on? Who is doing? I cannot believe these things are happening in the world that I live in. I can't believe these things are going on. I I don't know. I have no idea of how it's all going to turn out. Everything is going to disaster. And the chicken little syndrome, the sky's falling, the sky's falling, the sky's falling, is always is always right there around the corner to to plague you, to bring you down, to make you believe that the world is totally being destroyed. And I would say to you, that's just not the case. And the Bible clearly states that it's not. And in fact, some of the things that happen around you, God is using to prove and to show himself and how mighty he is and how much he is going to be in control, how much he's going to prove himself to be true. And even though calamity comes, even though disaster comes, God proves himself. And that's what the end of chapter 11 is really saying. That's what the end of chapter 11 is telling us. It is telling us that, that, God, is, that God is in control and that he, he has hardened Pharaoh's heart the last five calamities for the purpose of multiplying his wonders, his power, his strength, what, how he is uh, viewed in the land of Egypt. He is saying, I've done this so that the world may know that I'm in charge. And I think you need to know that today. Oftentimes we get in a position in life and we get in a place where we think that everything is going to disaster and it just is not going to disaster. It's not happening. It's not, it's, it's never happening the way you think it's happening. God is not going to be dethroned. He, nothing's going to take charge over him. It says in verse nine of chapter 11, but the Lord said to Moses, and now he's explaining this is a personal conversation with Moses. It's something that God wants Moses to understand because Moses is not only going to have to deal with Pharaoh in his life, but he's going to have to he's going to have to deal with other nations and other kings and other kingdoms as he's leading the children of Israel through the wilderness into the promised land. He's going to have to fight the Edomites. He's going to he's going to deal with other leaders, and he wants him to understand that the reason these people are in position and in power that God allows them to be in position and power that He places them there is to multiply his wonders, allow people to see how powerful he is and how wonderful he is. It says, but the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And remember, Egypt's a picture of the world in the Old Testament. And so what he's saying here is, 
He's saying that I'm doing this, that my, that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt, that for generations and generations to come, people will say, that could only be God. Only God could do those things. And in fact, we even in modern times have people straining and trying to figure out all the different ways in which they can say, they can say how this happened in some, in some natural sense. And there is no natural sense. There is no way to come up with a, a flow of cascading events that caused all these wonders to happen in Egypt. It's not possible. That's, and some of them have, could have nothing. The darkness can't have anything to do with the cascading events, which were caused by some kind of mud slide in, in Ethiopia, which caused the river to turn red and kill all the fish and drive out all the frogs. All those cascading events are not possible. And especially the calamities and the plagues that we see happen here, the, the nothing happening in the river caused the hail of fire to fall down on the people. That just, just things like that just don't happen that way. It's not possible. And we see, we see quite obviously that, that the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's not going to heed you. And the reason he's not going to heed you is not because he's obstinate. That's irrelevant. I'm God. He, the reason he's not going to heed you is that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did, I did all the wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Notice, these wonders had to have some pretext or some context. And what they had to do be is that Pharaoh had to harden his heart, and he had to not let the children of Israel go out of the land so God could continue to rain down these calamities and prove that he's God. It reminds me of Psalm chapter 2, and, and it is it is important that I love Psalm 1, it's my favorite psalm, but Psalm 2 is a great psalm because it speaks to it speaks to the times and seasons men live in. And you say, they're not all the same. Well, that's true. Not and not the history is not the same everywhere. But let me tell you something. The saying that if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it is absolutely true. Why? Because humanity rec recreates situations over and over again because they fail to learn. And people are, generally speaking, even though they find new ways to sin, they're always the same. And do people plot and plan against God? Absolutely, do they do that. Do people turn against what God has for, for them? Absolutely, they do. And Psalm 2 says this is, this is a psalm that just tells us that God is in control and that these plots and these failed attempts to supplant his power are never going to work. It says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Why do the nations rage against God? Why do, why do the people plot against God as if they have some ability to overcome him, as, this, as if they have some ability to beguile him, to trick him? There's no way. He says, the kings of the earth set themselves and, and the rulers take counsel together. Uh, all these people in these high places and all these people in these positions of power and authority, whether they be in this country or around the world, that you can plot all you want to, and God can turn it in an instant. And he says, why do they do that? Against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away the cords from us. What they're saying is, I want to be in control. I want to run things. I'm going to have my will, and I'm going to have my way in this situation. And let me say this. They do that. I can promise you they do that. 
I've I've sat in those halls. I know I know the minds of these people. They believe themselves smarter. They believe themselves more knowledgeable. Let me tell you something. They believe themselves smarter than God sometimes, and they're not. I believe myself to be of some intelligence. These people are far more intelligent than me, and they do not even measure up. They're not even close to God. They do not. They they cannot. They the, all they can do is ponder the wonders that God has made. God knows intimately how he made them. They can ponder how things might be in the universe that they want to create, but God is the God who's created universe after universe. You can look in the new pictures that we get from the new satellite, telescope satellite that just began to release pictures, and you can take a grain of sand and put it in the uh, in the sky above you and then hone in as close to that grain of sand is and you'll see hundreds and thousands of galaxies out there that are billions of light years away and God made every one of them he created all those things the heavens declare his glory and the bible says that the bible tells that more today we know his glory even more today and yet people continue to plot in vain and try to figure out how they can remain in power and how they can remain in control and how they can do what they want and and have their will and their way. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. That's what verse 4 says of Psalm 2. He's saying, I'm laughing at this. The Lord shall hold them in derision. He's laughing, and it ain't laughing in a good way. It's not laughing as if somebody's made a joke. It's laughing as if uh, you got no chance. Then he shall speak to them with his wrath and distress them with his deep displeasure. And notice, they're the ones that are really afraid. The reason they're trying to maintain control, the reason they're plotting against God, the reason they're plotting in vain is because they're trying to maintain control because they realize that God is in control. And if he's in control, they've lost everything because they're not his, they're not part of his kingdom. It says, then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king, on my holy hill of Zion. He's not talking about he's not talking about a man of today. He's talking about he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah coming. And this is a prophetic psalm that speaks of the Messiah coming. Jesus is in control. How do I know that? Because he said to the disciples, he said he came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me." What he's saying is, I am in control. And that's what verse seven says. He says, "I will declare the decree." The Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I've begotten you. And he says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Notice, Jesus has all authority. He has all the power. He's in control. And and he asked and God has given him complete authority over his creation. And he says, and the ends of the earth for your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron and you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. And what he's saying is you have total control to destroy those things. And you say, why doesn't he do it? Why don't he do it right now? Remember, he didn't lead his children out of Egypt after the Nile River turned to blood. He didn't do that. Remember, he raised them up that he might multiply his wonders. That's what chapter 11 of Exodus says. He says he raised Pharaoh up that he might multiply his wonders in Egypt. And he's raised these people up that he might multiply his wonders in our land and in our time and in our place. He is always multiplying the wonders that are him. And he says, 
Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. What he's saying is, if you're in charge, you need to turn to me. You need to turn to what I'm doing. You need to, uh, you need to love justice. You need to desire mercy. And you need to walk humbly before me. That's what Micah chapter 6 says. You need to do, ju- do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before me. And if you are that type of leader, if you're that type of person that's in charge, God can use you. If you don't, he's going to dash you to pieces. He's going to, he's going to bring that rod of iron down on, down on top of you. And he may raise you up for days and weeks and months and years and then dash you to pieces to prove that he's in charge. He says, kiss the, lun, kiss the son lest he be angry. And this is very poetic and it's actually beautiful. He's saying, if you're in charge, you need to be intimate with God. You need to be as close to God as possible because it's very difficult. It's very difficult to make decisions that affect human beings and affect God's people unless you're very close to him and you have his heart. You have his just, you have his justice, you have his mercy, and you walk in humility before him. And you perish in the way, he says, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. And what he's saying is that no matter what the hour or the moment or the day is, no matter what the news that is coming out of some other nation or Washington, D.C. or Los Angeles or New York, it doesn't matter what those uh, that news is. God still sits on his throne and he's still in charge. And he, his wonders are truly to behold. And his majesty and his grace, his wonder is clearly seen in that which he made. And the heavens, the heavens declare that wonder and they declare that majesty. And so we know that we serve a God who is far beyond this time and this season, this moment and this hour, this place that we live in, and the people that believe themselves to be in control. God is ultimately in control. And any good leader uh, realizes that God's in charge. And any good leader realizes that he's only in that position to either do one of two things, to either be the source of God's grace and power and might and love to his people, or he's in that position to show God's wonder and his wrath and judgment against man. And uh, let me tell you something. If you're a leader, you need to realize that uh, you don't want to be, you don't want to be the object of God's wrath like Pharaoh was. You don't want to harden your heart toward God. You want to let God be God and you be you and you walk humbly before him and that you might do justly and love mercy for those around you. And when you do that, God elevates you because he loves the humble and he elevates those who trust in him. And be a people that are that way. Be You be that in your own heart and your mind. You think that way. You see the world that way. And if you will do that, I promise you that God will continue to show his nature, to show you who he is, to comfort you in your times of need, to give you the grace that sustains us and give us the mercy that keeps back the world, and he will give you his very best. And I believe that. We're going to have Bible study tonight. Looking forward to that. And I pray that that you will all be there and that we will have a time where we can consider the wonders that is our God. And, and not allow the worries of the present hour or the foolishness of the present leadership to get us down because they're just passing away. But his word 
and his word at work in our lives shall never pass away because it is the fullness of who he is. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.